Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to Palm Beach Atlantic University for hosting Caps Rx podcast. We had an incredible time there at the RX Po. Uh, it was an honor and a pleasure to meet so many young pharmacy students who are aspiring to do great things in pharmacy. I cannot wait to connect with you all again, and hopefully I'll be able to attend again next year because it was a blast. I had so much fun. It was so cool to see all the different vendors and all the different companies that were there, and shout out to all the different friends that I made and all the different people that I was able to connect with. So I just want to say a big thank you before we get into today's episode, and next week, next week, Saturday, October 28th, I will be at USF, so the University of South Florida. College of Pharmacy uh, residency showcase. All right. So I'll be out there. Um, don't know exactly where my table will be set up, but I'll be out there. So if anybody wants to connect with me, please find me at USF residency showcase. I'll definitely post on um, our IG story where we're located. So if anybody wants to get in contact with me, definitely just tune into our Instagram and you'll find out where we're located that day. And last but not least, of course, since it is National Pharmacist Month, Definitely, definitely, definitely had to give you all a discount on the merch. So it's 20% off for the entire month of October to purchase any merch. And if anybody is struggling right now, trying to improve or work on their CVs, letter of intent, I know residency and fellowship season is upon us. So if you need any help with any of those mock interviews, different things like that, even NAPLEX tutoring and NAPLEX prep, please feel free to sign up at tinyurl.com slash services. Thank you all for the support. Greatly appreciate it. Once again, big shout out and thank you to Palm Beach Atlantic University for hosting us. I had a phenomenal time. Can't wait to be back next year. And let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Rx Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Dr. Jovan Lazo. And today, I'm an, I am proud to announce that we have a very, very special guest who is someone that can finally talk about what a lot of people have been messaging me about, which is veterinary pharmacy. So today we have Thomas Magnifico, who is a veterinary consultant right now, but in the past he's had over eight years of experience working as a veterinary pharmacist. So we are so happy and excited to have you on, Thomas. And can you just briefly give an introduction to our audience today about yourself? Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am a graduate of the Duquesne University School of Pharmacy in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I've worked in many different areas of our profession. I owned my own store for a while. I've worked for the chain pharmacies. I've worked for independent pharmacies. I've spent time as a district manager for one of the large, one of the large chains, mm -hmm. and I've been director of pharmacy at one of our local hospitals. About eight years ago, I felt the need to kind of get back to the roots and why I went to pharmacy school. So that's when I went back behind the counter and I started working at a compounding pharmacy. And it was at that compounding pharmacy that I actually started my journey as a veterinary pharmacist. So like I said, so it's, it's kind of, I've kind of been all over the place. Most of my experience is management administration, but like I said, the, the last eight years have been, have been amazing. Wow. So I'm sure it was a complete 180 from going from that hospital, more of that director type of role, and then transitioning to veterinary pharmacy. What kind of made you decide to do that? Well, when I started the compounding pharmacy, the owner of the pharmacy liked to have his pharmacist specialized. 
So one of them was a specialist in, in hormone replacement therapy. One of them was a specialist in, in pain medications. He didn't have anybody doing veterinary, and he asked if I might be interested. And I said, sure. He sent me to my first conference, and that's where I was hooked. And from there, kind of a steep learning curve because it was a matter of seeking and finding continuing education and programming where I could actually learn what I needed to learn to be effective in the job. Okay. So a lot of the information wasn't directly readily available. You kind of went seeking for some of it, either attending conferences or probably trying to find different online resources to get that education you need. Exactly. And, you know, one of the coolest things is, is by attending conferences and it's the, the same, I'm sure with, with any pharmacy conference you attend, the networking that goes on at the conferences can be so important because some of those people have, have turned into mentors for me that I met at that first conference and have directed me as far as, you know, where I should look and how I should go about getting the education that I needed. So to start off, can you briefly describe what veterinary pharmacy is? Veterinary pharmacy is actually a niche practice of pharmacy, and it is based on having a pharmacist who is knowledgeable in the pharmacotherapeutics of animals to be able to collaborate with veterinarians and with pet owners for the benefit of their patients. We do this on a daily basis with our human patients. Unfortunately, there is additional education that is needed for us to be able to do it with our, with our non-human patients because we're talking body systems that are very different than ours. You know, just it's, it's, it's a very different world because, you know, cats and dogs aren't little people. Yeah. Let's put it that way. It's, it's important to know the differences because in our efforts many times to do good things, we could possibly do harm to a non-human patient. So sounds like you're kind of referencing that the pharmacokinetics is just completely different when it comes to humans and also animals that it's like, we, there needs to be a, a niche expert. There needs to be some type of specifications to really be well-versed and the proper medications for animals. That's very true. And unfortunately, you know, our pharmacy schools at this point are not giving the education that is necessary to be in, to be in veterinary pharmacy. There are very few that have an elective, and if the ones that do have an elective, most times it's a one semester course and very limited limited availability. Many of them don't have any ippies or appies that a student could could do a rotation. So in a lot of cases, you know, as a pharmacist, you're coming out of pharmacy school with no knowledge whatsoever. And the hard part of that is, is that in today's world with pet owners being more savvy consumers, the retail pharmacy world is seeing more and more pet prescriptions being filled. And we are ill-equipped to be able to, to take care of them the same way we do our human patients. Interesting. And yeah, you, you bring up a good point now that I think about it. During, I think it was either, it might've been my, my appy, I'm not too sure if it was an ippy or appy. But I remember coming up across a prescription that it was an antibiotic, but it was for a dog. And I was just like, I have no idea if this is a good dose or a bad dose. It was just a very different number from a human. And I'm just like, I have no idea. Like, where do I go to search this? 
and all these things. And, you know, it's just a completely different population of patients uh, when it comes to animals. And yeah, I, I see what you mean by the retail setting as more people start to own pets and have more diverse pets, that it can be kind of taxing, kind of tolling on a retail pharmacy to, to take on those animal patients. So now it's maybe spreading it to a more niche field, like a compounding pharmacy or just a specific veterinary pharmacy. Right. And, and we're seeing that our, you know, I mean, our chain pharmacies are seeing some of this too. I mean, mm -hmm. we are very fortunate here in Michigan that one of our, one of our local chains has actually started subscribing to Plum's veterinary reference for their pharmacist to have. But many chains don't even have a reference for a pharmacist to look at. Yeah, I, I didn't have a reference. I had no idea <laughs> what I was looking at. But luckily, I just had to fill it. I wasn't verifying it. So that wasn't on me to make the call. But as far as for veterinary pharmacists, I always wonder, where do they work? Like, is it in a compounding pharmacy, a zoo? Is it some offsite clinic? A lot of veterinary pharmacists, a lot of specific veterinary pharmacy positions are at schools or at colleges that have a veterinary school and a veterinary hospital attached to it. Okay. So here in Michigan, Michigan State University has a veterinary school. They also have a veterinary hospital as part of their veterinary school. And there are pharmacists who work in that particular hospital. So, you know, that is where you would find some specificity as a veterinary pharmacist. Retail pharmacies, they're, they're, I actually have a couple of peers who have veterinary specific pharmacies that do, to do nothing but compounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you can come in contact with a veterinary, a veterinary prescription just about anywhere. Um, you are more likely to see it at a compounding pharmacy because much of what veterinarians use need to be compounded because there's nothing commercially available for a species or a dosage or a dosage form that, that might be good for a pet. So, you know, you could basically have have part of a veterinary practice just about anywhere that you're practicing as a pharmacist. Interesting. But it sounds like most of them are going to be attached to any school that has a veterinary veterinary courses, or I guess a veterinary school, basically. So like you said, Michigan State has a veterinary school. So it's likely that they'll have a role for a veterinary pharmacist. Right. So places like, I mean, I know in our area, the University of Wisconsin-Madison has a veterinary school. Purdue University has one. You know, a little bit far, far reaching. I have a colleague who works at Mississippi State, North Carolina State, um, UC Davis. So there are those, those veterinary schools out there that actually are employing pharmacists in their, in, you know, in their hospital pharmacies. Wow. And when it comes to the work that they do, I'm sure it can vary from place to place, but can you kind of briefly describe what you did in your day to day work? In my day to day work, because it was, I was, it was not specifically a veterinary pharmacy. I dealt with everything, mm -hmm. but when it came to the veterinary part, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't spend time on the phone with a veterinarian coming up with a compounding formula for a particular, you know, a particular dog, cat, other species, counseling pet parents, how to appropriately administer the medication to their animal, you know, was an important part of what I did, you know, and, and even Part of what we were doing too was some education. I mean, we worked with with the local veterinarians to try to educate them as far as you know the 
the proper way to write a prescription for, for a pharmacy and the controlled substance laws and things of that nature that they may not have, you know, a tremendous amount of knowledge about. You know, in the, the veterinary hospitals, you run the gamut just like you would in a human hospital. Because when you think about veterinarians, I mean, we tend to think about veterinarians as being specifically, you know, your local vet where you take your cat or dog for their routine checkups. Many people don't realize that, you know, we have this, this wide range of, of human doctors who specialize. We have a wide range of veterinarians who specialize too. I've worked with nephrologists. I've worked with ophthalmologists. I've worked with doctors who do internal medicine, veterinarians who do um, emergency medicine, oncologists. So as, you know, in a hospital, you could potentially be dealing with all of those veterinary specialties as well. Wow. And when it comes to those different unique specialties, do, do they also have that within for pharmacists, like to get specific certifications if it's like an oncology-based veterinary um, pharmacy? Unfortunately, there is no specialty for pharmacists at this point. Mm -hmm. I know I am, I am currently serving as president-elect of the American College of Veterinary Pharmacists, and I know that we have had discussions about going to the Board of Pharmaceutical Specialties to potentially work with them to create a specialty that you know a pharmacist would be able to be certified in. Right now, there are some and I use the term loosely certification courses, but it's mostly CE where you would do a number of modules and basically have a certificate that yeah. you've done, you know, that, that gives education. Okay. Got it. And then what would you say were some of like the animals that you had to make medications for? Is it, was it a uh, diverse population or? It is huge. Most of what we did, you know, what we in compounding was for cats and dogs, mm -hmm. rabbits and ferrets, probably close rabbits, ferrets, and actually guinea pigs, probably close behind that. I had one customer, one owner who had a monitor lizard. There are owners out there with rats and gerbils and hamsters. Mm -hmm. We dealt with the local zoo here in Grand Rapids. So I filled prescriptions for the chimpanzees. Some of the, the poison dart frog, the sloth, uh, the lion. So, you know, we were, and, and I have to be honest, the, dealing with our local zoo vet was probably the high point of, of what I did at any particular yeah. day. When my text looked at me and said, hey, Dr. So-and-so, the zoo vet's on the phone, wants to talk to you. I was like, okay, cool. This is going to be a fun day. Yeah. It sounds so exciting. I never knew what he was going to throw at me. Mm -hmm. No, it, it sounds exciting. And that's that's what I was wondering, because it, you have pet owners, but there's also zoos. And I always wondered if an animal gets sick, who's where's the pharmacist? Like, where's the person to help fill the medication, make sure the dose is accurate so these animals can get treated uh, appropriately? Yeah, and when you think about it, I mean, I know I, I have a colleague down in Louisiana who fills for the local aquarium. So, I mean, you know, we're talking, you know. Plus, you know, like you say, we're, you know, we have veterinarians out there and, and we haven't gotten real involved as a pharmacy practice yet, but who are, who are treating bees. So, you know, there's, there's a very wide diversity in the veterinary world that pharmacists could potentially get involved in. I'm just like trying to fathom like what vehicle you have to use to, to give an animal like a fish 
a medication or to give a B something just because, you know, they're always buzzing around kind of doing their own thing. It's like, do you have to sedate them to, to have to give them a med or? It's just, Many aquatic it's animals, it's so depending on what you're trying to treat, you could do things topically with, okay. you know, with fish. Many times though, with aquatic animals, you're treating the environment as opposed to the, mm -hmm. indiv the individual animal. With bees, there are actually a number of diseases that bees get, believe it or not. And usually what ends up happening is, is most of them are treated with antibiotics. So you would actually mix the antibiotic with powder sugar and put it around the perimeter of the hive. And as the bees go in and out of the hive, they're inoculating the hive. Makes sense. It makes, I love creativity behind this. This is awesome. It, it really makes you think outside of the box. Oh, absolutely. We had a case um, of a chimpanzee here at the local zoo who was, she's, she was the matriarch of the troop. Mm -hmm. And very particular about what she would, what she would take from the, from her keepers. Like if her, if the rest of the troop didn't get it, she didn't get it or she wouldn't take it. Mm -hmm. So they needed to give her medication. And we ended up formulating, I worked with the zoo vet to find out what they all got. We ended up formulating her medication into a gummy because they all got gummy vitamins during the day. And we formulated it into a gummy because when she was presented with the gummy, even though it was medicated. To her, it was the same as everybody else, so she was willing to take it. Take it. Yeah, wow. That That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. I would love to sit in like the room to just to think of the, the different ideas that everybody's throwing on the board to how can we create something um, for this animal to take it because it's, it's not a person. You can't just tell them take it. You have to right. do it in a way that convinces them that, yes, I will take this medication or set it up, like you said around the perimeter of the hive for the bees to where it's kind of maybe in their workflow or something like that, easily accessible for them to want to get some and then go ahead and inject it into the beehive. So everybody there also gets treated as well. Wow. Yeah, like it, it, it's sometimes it's like, it's like being in the wild west, you know, <laughs> you, you really do have to think out of the box. Definitely. That's exciting. And so what would, it sounds like there's a lot of pros to being a veterinary pharmacist, but is there any other pros that we haven't mentioned that you haven't mentioned today and also any cons to being a veterinary pharmacist? I think the biggest pro to it is the, the gratitude from the pet parent when you formulate something, A, that the pet will take, and when you, when you are actually able to impact that pet's health. You know, it's, we had one cat owner who... We're trying to get prednisolone into this cat, and we had a devil of a time finding an appropriate dosage form and flavor that this cat would take. And it took us trial and error, and we finally did. We found something. And we, we hadn't seen the gentleman in a while, and he ended up coming in um, one day and asked if he could talk to me. And I said, sure. And he came in to thank me because the cat had passed away. It was an elderly cat. The cat had passed away. but you know, he was so thankful that we did what we did and we took the time to work with him and his veterinarian. And, and that's, that's what makes being in this profession worthwhile. And that's not only just from pet parents, but from human patients too. Mm -hmm. But like I said, when you, when you have, when you think about the fact that you're dealing with, you know, a, an animal that is completely and totally dependent upon their owner, um, but how you make an impact on that is huge. Um, cons, I think the biggest con is that first off, there are there isn't a lot of training out there. 
you know. Yeah, like certifications and all that that we right. talked about. The other con is, is that there are not a huge number of veterinary pharmacy specific jobs because, you know, the specificity again is in the, you know, the veterinary school hospitals, you know, it, that's really where your where your specifics are, and that's where you know you are truly a, a completely a veterinary pharmacist. You know, I did probably about in my daily my daily workflow probably about thirty percent of what I did was veterinary. So you know, yes, I have the veterinary specialty knowledge, but that wasn't what I did all day long. Yeah, and so that leads me to another question. Because it sounds like it's tough to get those positions because there's such a small amount of them, like veterinary pharmacist specific positions that if you want to get into the field, it's probably best to maybe do a be more in community or compounding to where they have like a large animal population so that we can get that that experience. Probably your best bet to get your, the most exposure to veterinary pharmacy in the retail world is probably working for a compounding pharmacy because you would have much more opportunity to deal with veterinary patients in that, you know, in that setting than you would at one of the large chains. And so for, for anybody that's listening, that's a pharmacy student, which I know quite a bit are interested. That's why we have this episode. What would be your advice to them to get into a veterinary pharmacist position? The first thing I would do is I would try to, I would have them talk to their administration and try to encourage the administration to implement an elective where they could actually get some formal training. In the event that that doesn't happen, I think they need to go to their director of experiential education Mm -hmm. and encourage the director to seek out IPIs and API locations where a student could actually get some, you know, some background in veterinary pharmacy. There are, there are compounding pharmacy pharmacists out there that I'm sure will be willing to take on a student and do some veterinary work. There are a lot of veterinarians who would be willing to be an IPI or an API site to allow a student to work with them in their veterinary clinics. So those are some of the things that I would, I have suggested to students. The other thing is if none of that works, volunteer. Many times if you go to the Humane Society or a veterinary clinic and say, hey, I'm a pharmacy student, I'm really interested in veterinary medicine, I would like to volunteer to work in your clinic and shadow you because volunteer equates to free. And that's that's very attractive in, in some areas. Yes. So, you know, if, if all else fails, volunteer, you know, volunteer. The other thing that they can do, depending on how agreeable the university is, many universities are very agreeable to allow, especially since COVID, in allowing students to do virtual rotations. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are pharmacists out there who are offering virtual rotations in veterinary pharmacy. And, you know, if, if you go to the AV, ACVP website, you know, I think you have to be a member for a student. It's really relatively inexpensive. I think it's like $5 to be a member okay. of ACVP. And you have access to the membership directory. And in that membership directory, you can search for BNAPI preceptors. 
So, you know, if, if the university is agreeable to doing a virtual rotation and I, and some universities, I know that I don't think they've got anybody doing it now, but Duquesne at one point had an agreement with a, a, a veterinary clinic in Georgia where a student could go and do a veterinary rotation. So, you know, talking to the director of experiential education is probably key. And like I said, volunteering probably is the next best bet. Yeah. And I, I always tell people, if there's something you're interested in, just tell them you're willing to come in and learn and do it for free. Absolutely. I've never heard of someone telling me no whenever I've done that. So, right. Yeah. And sometimes that's the best way to get your foot in the door. I'm actually working with a couple of veterinarians right now who are interested in doing appies for students oh, wow. and working to help get them set up to do that. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah, that's, that's something that I honestly never thought about is maybe reaching out to a clinic and seeing if they have additional help. I always think about just the pharmacist. But it's like you can also learn a lot from the doctor's perspective. And then they probably have, I'm assuming technicians, I'm not too sure on the term terminology, but probably text drawing up the meds or something like that. And you can learn about the medications that way and take some time to kind of search these these doses and learn things on your own and also in the presence of the doctor. And it still should be a valuable experience, whether you're volunteering or if it's a rotation. Absolutely. Okay. And so what would you say is like your work-life balance? Because it sounds like... One, your work is unique. <laughs> it's always different. There's a lot of different animals you could be helping. You're also dealing with humans. So you, you have a little bit of both. So it's not just catered to one patient population. And then there's also, you know, your time outside of work that, you know, whether it's to family, friends, et cetera, and stuff like that. And that's a big, big factor now, I would say, with this generation and the generation that I'm a part of is really that work-life balance. So do you feel this type of position provides a good work-life balance? I believe it does. You know, when I was working full-time, you know, work was work, home was home. Anything that I did on the veterinary front was something that I personally wanted to do, not something that I had to do. One of the big things that I did that helped me greatly in my education was I was able to join the local veterinarian society. West Michigan Academy of Small Animal Practitioners and the West Michigan Veterinary Medical Association. And what was nice about that is, is that again, I did that on my own time. It wasn't something I had to do, but it gave me the opportunity to go to their association meetings, hear their CE, and gain knowledge that way. Plus, it gave me access to the veterinarians themselves and being able to talk to them. And as it stands right now, I am the only pharmacist who is a member of that organization. So there are many cases when I go to a meeting where they'll they'll come up to me and say, "Hey, I have this. What can you tell me?" And and that's okay because that's but that's my choice. That's not something yes. that I had to do. In the consultant role, the veterinarians who I deal with and the patients that I deal with know my email address. I have a specific email address set up for that part of my job, and you know they will email me and they realize that you know if I don't get back to them today, that I will get back to them within twenty four hours. So again. It's, it's a matter of me balancing, you know, what I need to do here at home with what my profession is. So, I mean, I think that, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, working day to day in a retail compounding pharmacy, you know, work is work, home is home, unless you personally choose to do more. Got it. So it sounds like it's a, 
Veterinary pharmacy is an exciting field. It's one that is unique. It's a niche field. There's not many positions available for just veterinary pharmacy, but there is opportunities for you to work as a pharmacist treating adults, but also as a pharmacist treating animals. And there's also opportunities, whether you're a student or someone who's a young pharmacist and you have some spare time to possibly get involved in different clinics and do different things to learn more about the profession if you are interested in pursuing it. And I know you mentioned earlier something that was that's very, very valuable. So I want to make sure you mention it again. Can you kind of talk about the importance, if you're focused on trying to do veterinary pharmacy, the importance of finding a school that has a veterinary school, basically, a university that has a veterinary school? You know, I, I think that if, you know, that's really where you want to go, mm-hmm. that it's important that there are schools that have pharmacy schools and veterinary schools. I've been working with uh, a young lady setting up conference speakers for our, our conference next year. She is at Purdue, which has both a pharmacy school and a veterinary school, and she's mm-hmm. actually doing a residency there. Mm-hmm. So... That is, you know, I mean, and again, that, that's another point. If a student is really interested, uh, you know, I would say to get whatever veterinary pharmacy knowledge you can prior to, to doing your residency. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, there are residencies available. I think there are six or eight available now. They yeah. do not go through the ASHP matching. They are administered through. SVHP, the Society of Veterinary Hospital Pharmacists. But like I said, there are residencies available if it, if it, and those residencies will place you in one of those veterinary hospitals. Perfect. So thank you so much for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. And before we wrap things up here, what would you say is one message you would like to leave our audience today to walk away with? Actually, there's two. If you're interested in gaining more knowledge, Pharmacy Power Pack has a veterinary pharmacy certificate program. It is 10 modules, and it was written by Gigi Davidson, who is, we affectionately know as the godmother of veterinary pharmacy. She has spent over 30 years as a veterinary pharmacist at North Carolina State. So she's extremely knowledgeable, extremely well-connected, and it's an extremely good program. The other thing that I want to leave you with is, and I had mentioned it earlier, that I am, I am serving as president-elect of ACVP, the American College of Veterinary Pharmacists. ACVP is, is our purpose, our whole being is to educate pharmacists on the pharmacotherapy that's necessary to become a good veterinary pharmacist and to take care of those pet patients. Website for ACVP is vetmeds.org. So V-E-T-M-E-D-S dot org. And, you know, I would recommend that anybody listening to this go out there and take a look at the website. There is an education tab. You could take a look at the education tab. There is CE there that is available, presented by veterinarians and pharmacists. There's just a lot of information there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also suggest that you look for the ACVP YouTube channel. There are presently two town hall presentations out there, one on GFI 256, which is important to those pharmacists and pharmacy students who might be interested in compounding. 
And there is also one for on on you need to be able to be a successful preceptor for an appy or an ippy. So for those pharmacists who may be interested in in taking on the job of precepting a veterinary rotation, those are both out there on the YouTube channel. And ACVP has a veterinary pharmacy conference every year. Next year, it's going to be in July, July 11th through the 13th in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we are actually, we've actually been very fortunate for next year because we are actually going to be holding all of our CE sessions at the Indianapolis Zoo. So that's kind of a new thing for us. This is the first year we're doing that and we're really excited about it. And we are in the process of lining up some very excellent presenters to present CE programming at that. And I am always available if a student or a pharmacist would like more information, they're more than welcome to contact me. Okay. And what's the best way for them to contact you? Email is probably best. Mm-hmm. And the email would be tomvetrph, so T-O-M-V-E-T-R-P-H at gmail.com. All right. So tomvetrph at gmail.com if you would like to get in touch with him. Awesome. So ACVP conference is going to be at the Indianapolis Zoo, July 11th to the 13th. That sounds exciting. That is awesome. We're pretty excited about it. The, one of the, the reception is going to be in the dolphin gallery. So supposedly it's actually in the aquarium where the, the meetings are going to be. And I forget what the name of the gallery is that we're going to be in, but there's the possibility of animal presentations during that. We're looking, working with the zoo vet, potentially get a, a tour of the, the hospital facilities at the zoo. And so we're, we're trying to put together just a really interesting conference because we have, because of the venue, I think we've got some real potential. No, that's, that's the, Hey, I might just have to do it. <laughs> I have honestly no, no interest in, in working as a veterinary pharmacist, but it sounds like an awesome experience just to be there and to be around people so passionate about what they do is just an opportunity to learn. And continue to give advice to to young students and and pharmacists who are interested in pursuing this career. Right, right now I think that we are talking to a veterinarian who is going to talk on thyroid disease in both cats and dogs. We're talking to a veterinarian who is going to potentially do a presentation on diabetes in cats. We've got somebody, a presenter, who is going to do a presentation on providing medication for research animals, and that's kind of where we're at. And plus the zoo vet. So, and we've still got a couple more slots to fill. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. You shared a lot of gems, a lot of great advice for anybody that's a pharmacy student on what they should do if you're still in school, what you should do if you're just a pharmacist now working, what jobs to explore, how to kind of get involved in the field, different resources that you can kind of go to to gain either some CE credit, different conferences that you can attend to go ahead and network. So I'm definitely going to include a lot of this in the show notes. So if you weren't able to catch it while he's when he said it, don't worry, you can just look in the show notes and you'll find the information there. And definitely, definitely, definitely feel free to reach out to Thomas if you have any questions or need some more advice at T-O-M-V-E-T-R-P-H at gmail.com. Absolutely. Thank you, Thomas. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. It's an area that I'm passionate about and I love talking about veterinary pharmacy. No, like I said, I'm super thankful to have you on because a lot of people are interested in this and I have I have no knowledge on it. So I figured I'd bring in an expert to go ahead and share some of that wisdom to really 
help these pharmacy students and young pharmacists who are interested in this career to pursue it. Because if you don't know it's possible, how else will you kind of try to get there? So definitely just wanted to bring more exposure to the field and just more insight on how to get involved in specifically a veterinary pharmacy role. Absolutely. Did you learn something valuable from this episode? Then I highly recommend you like, comment, follow, and subscribe to our new YouTube channel at new underscore capsule RX podcast. And we're also on Instagram and TikTok with the same name at new underscore capsule RX podcast on all platforms.